Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we've become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Hey, all you show your scars peeps. Thanks for joining today. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I'm kind of going out of the realm of traditional sports and dipping into CrossFit, which I'm excited about because CrossFit has really hit the ground running in the last few years and included a lot of people in its path of athletes who want to still compete and have something to do as a team and individually it's a really supportive community and I get a chance to talk with actually one of my former teammates in Boston Jen Dancer who is now one of the top crossfitters in the country here she got to compete in the 2014 crossfit games with her team crossfit conjugate black and that's because they won the central east division of their regional and they took third place nationally in the CrossFit Games, which airs every uh, August, and they do a whole national production now, so you can watch the CrossFit Games and see these athletes compete. She's also been um, top 100 in the CrossFit realm in 2016. She was ranked 93rd in the U.S. I mean, get out. This is an, uh, just a subs- really, really elite athlete who has used what she's learned through injury in order to help her not only excel on the soccer field, but now excel in the CrossFit game. I had a really good conversation with Jen. She talks about how she was never into tapping into her emotions. She didn't know how to do that. And if she would have learned that, how she thought she would have been a better soccer player. She was more aware of her, of her surroundings and her environment. She tore her ACL before college, so she talks a lot about how that affected her trip into college and how communication was really key in that. How to vocalize your struggles to people who surround you to help them help you. And why she's so big about writing down goals and what does she want, what she wanted out of the process. And then lastly, we kind of talk a little bit about how She's learning that you can't overtrain and not to focus just on soccer or just on your sport, that there's so much more in life. And that has been one of her big lessons. So we start out just kind of fun and having a good time. So I hope you enjoy this conversation between Jen Dancer and myself. Hi, how are you? I'm good. What have you been up to? Gosh, I've just been you know, navigating this life after being a professional soccer player. It's weird, but it's been really great. I've been loving it. Awesome. How long have you been done for? I stopped playing um, two and a half years ago. So I got waived by Western New York right after the final of the World Cup. So 2015, the day after they waived me. And I was like flirting around with this idea. I, I went to Portland for a trial and then I came back home to Colorado and Seattle was like, we'll take you and then we can sign you next year, but you won't be on contract this year. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say, like, I'm walking away on my own two feet with no crutches and yeah. still works and like all that. So um, 
yeah, it's been, it's been really good. And during the process of like my last couple of years, I started doing broadcasting. So it was a nice transition in that sense that like, I kind of knew what I wanted to do beyond playing. And then, um, the ACL club has just been something I've been working at the last couple of years, actually going into that last year playing in, in, um, Buffalo, I was like, I'm going to start this and really give it a go and see if I can make it into something that really supports a lot of athletes. Dude, that is so awesome. It's so exciting to hear that. The I think the best decision, decision I've ever made was walking away from soccer mm-hmm. at like the highest point of my career and knowing that I made the decision, mm-hmm. not like an injury or, you know, a coach or certain players and it was just so great to be able to do that and know that it was my decision 100%. I think that's been one of the and I think it was really hard for me when I did have that last injury and I was like um I don't know that you know you always whenever you get injured it's it's all these questions of like you know what if or like why me or this and that and I think one of the hardest parts for me was that like if I, you know, there was a very good possibility I would never be able to play again, especially at that level. And I was so mad at the fact that, like, it wasn't my choice. And, yeah. you know, that, that happens to people, you know. It's, it's, not, it's not your choice that an injury potentially ruins your career, ends your career. But um, the fact that I had a say in the end, I think, was just... Not that it, you know, if I had to have walked away at that point, I think I would have gotten over that and worked through those things. But um, I think there was that, it was a really nice feeling knowing that if I wanted to keep playing, I could, but if that I, that I didn't want to, that I knew that there was other things in life that I wanted to accomplish and uh, had the ability to say, you know what, I'm done. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so funny because I think that every time, like since I've joined Marysville twice, mm-hmm. every single time has closed certain doors, but it's also opened so many. And like I never realized it then until, you know, like this last year, right. a lot of reasoning of why things happened during those years that happened in soccer. And, and but the connections that I made during the time that my, I tore my ACL and wasn't like around the team as much. Um, has come into full play now that I'm an adult and I'm starting other stuff. And it's just, cur- it's so crazy to see that. That's <laughs> really I wish interesting. I would have seen that then, but I really, um, my husband and I were, were very Christian and, and I really do believe that um, God closes and opens doors and allow things. He doesn't allow things to happen, but he allows you to cope with things in, in, in different ways that brings it around later in life. And, yeah. And that's something that's totally happened with my ACLs, which is crazy. That is, I mean, it's so. such a beautiful thing too. when it does hit those points where you're like, okay, I know I got through this and you know, I, I'm on the same, you know, page as you. And I believe that God has a path for me and, um, and everybody, like, I think he has a path for everyone and that he walks with you through those difficulties and doesn't reveal to you what it's going to be in the future. And then when it comes together, you're just like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? And plus, too, like, you wouldn't be here today talking to me, talking right. to, you know, so many individuals within the world about ACLs. And, yeah. and it doesn't have to be the fact of, like, ACLs, ACL recovery, and how you mentally kind of prepare for this, but Mm -hmm. just building relationships is allowing to meet new people and build relationships within, you know, the community of of soccer and non-soccer, and connections work in crazy ways, and it's so fun to see. Yeah, So I'm so happy that we've done, you know, like, these injuries have happened to us, and 
and we'll be able to connect again what in 2018 when yeah. what last time we talked was I don't even know when last time we probably when and, we played together like 2011 10 2010 yeah I mean I might have like reached 10? out to you yeah, a couple you times last year. yeah on Facebook or something but um yeah, I'm excited to dive in and share with people kind of your story and your journey to where you've gotten now. Um, but I think one of the things that I like about you most, Jen, is like, we're both weird, right? We we have this weird side to us and we're like, really, <laughs> we're really cool with being weird. And um, so I want to start off with like, just a fun, like, let's just do a rapid fire, break the ice, let people get to know you maybe a little bit better. And then we'll dive into like who Jen is and get into like how you got to where you are now. So are you ready for some rapid yeah, fire? For sure. Okay. What's your favorite food? I am ready. <laughs> uh, my favorite food is steak. What's your favorite color? Um, black, but people tell me that it's not a color. So I'm going to go with like probably pink, kind of like a light pink. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> totally opposites there. Um, <laughs> who's your best friend? Um, I have multiple, well, this is kind of funny, it's rapid fire, but I have multiple in like different countries and different cities, but if I have the name on right now, it'd be Melissa Doss. That's so cool. I love that. Or my husband, Sam Dancer. Yeah, we'll keep him in there. <laughs> well, maybe he'll be in this one. Who did you last dream of? I think dreams are so weird and like who we dream of is such a weird thing. Maybe it's not him. It is. And I, it's not him. <laughs> it is a guy named Blaine and his wife named Bjork who are here in Invictus um, training with us and Bjork's actually in Denmark right now so not oh, sure how yes. she kind of came about and I've never even met her so but those are the two people I dreamt about last night <laughs> so funny uh what's your biggest pet peeve when I'm cleaning the house somebody making a mess or cooking <laughs> while I'm trying to clean oh my gosh I love it uh <laughs> if you I'm we're gonna go into soccer here if you had to choose Messi or Ronaldo Ronaldo. Okay. Um, we can still be friends, but I think that's the wrong choice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> what's your favorite song right now? Oh my gosh, I don't really know songs. Um, probably by the rapper Mimi because they do a lot of like weird back end song, you know, like weird noises throughout the song, okay. like <laughs> and all these weird things. That's the only thing I can think of at the moment. <laughs> Is that the last song you sang to in the car too, or do you not sing in the car? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one. No, boop, I boop, sing in the car. Boop, boop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite emoji? Poop emoji. So good. Uh, I've I've recently transitioned to the star eyes one though. It's really it gets me. Um, like are, the star eyes? I don't think I know oh, yeah. that one. Oh, tap into that. It's good. Um, are you an early riser or a night owl? Um, early riser. Oh. I'm really not both. I go to bed early and I wake up a little bit later than like normal people. Right. I get about 10 hours of sleep oh, a night. that's nice, girl. That's real nice. Uh, who's your favorite athlete? My favorite athlete. Mm. Wow, that's not a very rapid question I have going on here. Um... I I don't really know if I have one. That's cool. You don't Is have that to. okay? Yeah, that's totally fine. Um, and then if you had a superpower that you could choose, what would you choose? I would like to read mine. 
Ooh, wow. Okay. That's a good one. Um, yeah, it, it, it'd be a love-hate thing. But yeah, it'd be I cool. think so. I think so. If you left for vacation today, where would you choose to go? Bali. Bali. Have you been there? No, I haven't. And my husband just recently said something about Bali, so that's what came in my head today. Yeah. Or Hawaii, but we've been okay. multiple times yeah. to Hawaii. Go to Bali. So. That sounds cooler. Um, and you can choose whatever you want to because it's just a podcast and it's not – it's like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> not really important. <laughs> right. Um if I know you have tattoos and if you had to choose which tattoo is your favorite, which which one would you choose? Um the one that I just got on my arm. It's a mandala that I got in Belgium and it's a little bit about like me um with the mandala and like the chandelier, but I also incorporated some of my husband's tattoo in there as well. Whoa, that's cool. I've seen pictures of it and it's really sick. Like it is so cool. It's intricate. It was a big step, but I'm yeah. really glad. It's beautiful. Um, and then the last one, if you had to choose an alternative workout, something that is not your CrossFit right now, what would you choose? I really think that I would choose like aerobic classes, you know, yeah. like the old school aerobic oh, classes yeah. where they moved all day long and they had some type of commentator the whole time of like, mm-hmm. you can do it <laughs> and one and two, like that just seems really upbeat and happy. And we don't see that nowadays. People just take workouts way too serious. You're, it's very true. Um, and the one thing, so when I was doing my research on you, because I, I do my research, AKA stock people and make sure I know more about their lives. Um, I found actually a video of your birthday party when we were in Boston and it was you like dressed up in eighties gear. So you t- just saying that aerobics would be your favorite and you in that eighties gear is like a perfect visual for me right now. <laughs> It's it's still my jam. Like I still will never. Everything I go to is like eighties. Yeah. Or recently I've been getting into like super hippie, like seventies. But oh. I feel like they're almost the same thing in my mind. And <laughs> yeah, I will always be that girl. I think. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's great. You got to stay true to who you are. Yeah, I would like to say I'm a little bit more mature and nice compared to that girl back in the day, but the true 80s is still in me (laughs) yeah I thought you were always so nice I really you know I feel like we bonded right away when we met um I remember meeting you actually in Boston and um you had just torn your ACL for the second time but I just you know it was that instant connection kind of what what we talk about when you go through a similar injury as somebody you just know what that person is going through or about to go through and um that's that connection that you can't really really like there's no you can't put into words what it is but it's just there yeah for sure and 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 that's why I think I love um learning so much from injuries too is because you can you just you'll never have that connection if you didn't go through it you Mm -hmm. know and and I believe God puts people in your lives for a reason yeah so I want to talk about you growing Mm -hmm. up and I want to know more about um Jen Nobis as a, a child and where you grew up and kind of when you realized or who influenced you to play sports and kind of when you realized that that was something you loved to do? Yeah, so when I was little, um, I was really, really, really quiet, like at a really young age. Um, I had two brothers and I just kind of followed them around a lot and um, they had an impact on everything I did because they were the only people that I really played with. Um, so I was roughed up a little bit um, by them, and they always say to this day, like, I'm the one that made you so great at 
sports and being an athlete. And, you know, like deep down, it's probably true. Um, but, but we're not going to give them that credit. To, to, no, no, no. We don't ever say it. I, I always say, still to this day, I can still kick their butt in anything I do. So, therefore, they did not really help me in that process. <laughs> so, but, yeah, so I was just a really quiet kid. Um, and it wasn't probably until I was about junior high age when I really started discovering that I was not good at sports necessarily, but just really athletic, and I could adapt to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and by going off of that, I did multiple sports. I think I played, like, three or four different sports um, all through junior high and all through college and or high school. And, and I just found that it was really important for me to be well-rounded. And my parents always taught me not even being well-rounded um, in sports, but just in life in general. Um, that's going to really over, you know, play into my future. And um, I don't, it was definitely just a gift because it's not like I worked at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have brothers that roughed me up and, you know, taught me lessons and I had to stick up for myself and be an independent girl with all these guys. And I think a lot of us athletes kind of go through that going younger, you know, playing with the boys and kind of being around them more often than women. And it wasn't until um, the YMCA made me start to go with the girls and start playing with them. Mm-hmm. And I was so mad because um, I built such a great bond with these guys that, you know, there was no drama. There was, there was just nothing involved. It was straight, hey, I want to play and I want to win and I want to beat you. And they were really uncomfortable with the girl being on their team, but it allowed me to prove something and, and, and kind of make my way. So, yeah, just growing up younger, I was just a go-getter no matter what. I had a lot of energy and I didn't care who was in my way and yeah that's also a good thing and a bad thing yeah um I think as it's the bad thing of it is I didn't necessarily take others in consideration and you know their emotions and even tapping into my emotions which you know looking back I think I could have changed a lot of things but it definitely developed me as a as a player and who I am today and why I think I was so athletic and um mm-hmm. but if I could change one thing too going back which is be more aware of my surroundings and my environment and who I was playing with. And, and, you know, I think I could have learned a lot more. Um, I tell a lot of my clients today that I was never really a great um, soccer player. And Uh so Tony DeChico kind of took a chance on me and really taught me um, the game of soccer. But I think that I could have became a better athlete and a better soccer player earlier in life if I would just be just be open to learning more about other people and why they were successful. Hmm. Um, but I, but I love that um, who I was when I was younger was just such a go getter and yeah. um, always wanting to prove people wrong. Um, I think that's who, you know, why I am the way I am today. But um, yeah, a lot of people are surprised about, wow, Jen, like you were quiet when you were younger, yeah. like you never <laughs> talked and you weren't loud and crazy. And, and I'm a twin. So it kind of switched every different couple, like every couple years or every season, me and my twin would switch personalities. Like I'd become quiet and focused and, and then I would be the crazy loud one, you know, going all over the place. And we would switch personalities when we were younger, which is really creepy, but yeah, um, yeah it was fun. Twins. <laughs> gosh, such such a different world. Like that twin world of, there's just weird things that happen, but that's cool that you could notice that too. And, um, you mentioned in there how you were a go-getter, but you wanted to prove people wrong. Do you know who, like, who did you 
think that doubted you? Who who were the doubters? Was it your brothers? Was it these boys that you played against? Or was it people beyond that, your coaches? Or, um, you know, why did you feel like you wanted to prove people wrong? Well, I think that, um, I think that being, I don't know, I think it's more like my teammates. Like, um, I found myself in drama all the time until I was about like 27, 28, which is, mm-hmm. which is so crazy. Cause I've always was the girl that's like, I don't want to be about drama. Like I hate drama, but I was always in the middle of it for some reason. And, um, I just felt like growing up, I never knew who I was. The only thing I knew I wanted in life was, um, to be a successful athlete and to prove that to people and, and so I don't know if it was just all imaginary growing up that I had to prove to my coaches or to the girls on my team that I deserve to be in this spot. Or I think so, too. I, I feel like maybe that was the only thing I knew um, that I wanted. And that's the only part of me I knew who I was. Uh-huh. And, and so I just had to just stick with what I knew. And if that was yeah. the only thing I knew. Um, and, yeah, like I said, it's probably just imaginary in my head. Right. <laughs> um, that I had to prove this to everybody, but, um, I don't really know if there's a specific person, uh-huh. um, cause my parents and my brothers always knew that I was a great athlete and I was working as hard as I could. And, um, but I just never thought that I got the break that I always deserved. I know that sounds really maybe arrogant, but I felt like I was always on the back end of having to prove myself, um, like in Boston breakers or just any sports, I was always good enough to be on the team, uh-huh. but I never had the break of breaking through of being on the national team. Like I played with what, 10 other girls on the team yeah. um, that were national team players. Uh-huh. And I just felt like I never felt like I had my break. And so I was just constantly trying to prove myself. Um, and it doesn't mean that it was to other people, but maybe trying to just, prove it to myself that yeah. I deserve these things. And and it's sad because, again, like I said, maybe if I was more open-minded and um, aware of my surroundings and people's talents and gifts that I could have learned from, maybe I could have been a better player growing up um, instead of when I was 27, 28 years old and, you know, ending at the top of my career. Um, so I think maybe it was just proving to myself the entire time, um, but I never knew that until I was in my 30s. Yeah, that's really interesting that you say that, because I think as athletes, a lot of the times that's built into us in some way, and we don't even know where it came from, but we always feel like, um, not always, and I'm not saying everybody feels the same way, but we do feel like we have to prove that we're good enough. Um, and yeah. it's it's just a very interesting dynamic, especially when you go through an injury, because then you feel like you aren't good enough, that you, your body failed you. And yeah. and then you have to break down those barriers of like, I am, I'm worthy, I'm good enough. You know, like you have to go into like your deepest of who I really am. And it's interesting now looking back that you look back at more of the emotional things and not so much the physical things. Like not, I should have been fitter. I should have been stronger. I, you know, I didn't run as much as I should on the field. It's like, how did I not, how did I not use those opportunities to learn from people? That's really interesting. Yeah. And it's so, it's so funny because I was just talking to um, a games athlete in the CrossFit world the other day on the beach. And, and now that we're older and I try to instill this into like younger athletes, but mm-hmm. you know, you can't tell younger athletes like what to look out for and stuff. Cause they just have to learn it themselves. Right. But we still try to like teach those lessons and um, something looking back, which 
I definitely think could have made me a better athlete and a person and being a better person these days, I feel like allows you to become a better athlete. Mm -hmm. And I did not know that back then, but also like as women too, who are in such a high position in their sport, I think we're too scared sometimes to show our emotion or to allow ourselves to, to really understand like, Hey, like you're mentally struggling right now and that's okay. Um, You're physically tired. But the only thing we know is to like overcome, overcome, mm-hmm. keep overcoming. Like you're better than that. You know that um, there's worse people in this world that are going through, you know, harder things. Why can't I just overcome this small thing and be grateful for, um, you know, these small injuries I have? It could be, you know, it could be cancer. It could be devastating. It could be an, in, you know, ending injury of your career. And, and I feel like if I would have just allowed myself to be open to my teammates more or maybe my coaches, like with the emotions that I was feeling, that I could have let people in to help me develop my um, my game or my mental game or things like that. But I was so scared to let people know that I was an emotional woman and I needed help in that area. Yeah. Um, but I never let my guard down enough to, to grow as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, that could have made me a better player. But again, we live and we learn. And of course I'm almost 34 now. So of course I'm going to understand those things more than, you know, when I was 16 or 27, I was a little bit late of a bloomer. I feel like people were more mature at 27, 28 than I was, but um, it's just sad that I wouldn't let myself open up or let my guard down to become a better athlete. I was so concerned and had such a big ego. Um, of just wanting to be the best and overcome and prove that to people when really I was proving nothing. <laughs> yeah. It is uh vulnerability is such a, a, like a bad word in the athletic world, I think. And to be vulnerable means that you, you know, are allowing people to beat you almost, you know, like, but, mm-hmm. but that's so yeah. far from it. Like being vulnerable is being your truest self and allowing yourself. Yeah. Like maybe I'm not feeling the best today. Maybe I'm really mad about this. Maybe I'm upset. Like I am, you know, down that I didn't get to play. Just, just dealing with allowing emotions to come up and being okay with that is not something we're taught. And, um, yeah, it is something that you look back and wish that you had the capacity to learn that when you were younger and um, how much more you would learn if you were able yeah. to open up a little bit sooner. Yeah. So, go and ahead. Like the world of sports too today, I was saying the world of sports as well today have grown since we were, you know, mm-hmm. professional athletes and, and they do have psychologists now that, you know, they do have, um, recovery processes and programs and everything is a lot more evolved these days. So I really hope that like our generation um, can pass our knowledge on, but also all the stuff that the, you know, the teams have these days and access to, like they won't feel the way that we feel. They have people to to help them through those moments and things like that. But yeah, that's awesome. So after um, growing up, then you went to, you were a multi-sport athlete, but then you chose to play soccer in college and you went to the University of Missouri, correct? Mm-hmm. And yeah. That, is that when you got injured the first time or was that pre-college? Um, I tore my ACL the week after I signed for Mizzou. Mm-hmm. So it was going into my senior year of high school. Wow. So I missed all of my senior year of high school except for six games. That's really interesting that um, you say that because right now I feel like I'm dealing with a lot of, um, you know, people who are reaching out to me with the ACL club are all these 
these unfortunately female athletes and a, f- a few male athletes who are all in that process of recruiting and in that place where um, either they have just committed or they haven't committed yet and they're worried that their coach isn't going to bring them in still because they got hurt or they don't think they're going to get um, accepted into a you know recruited to go to college because they got injured so how did you do you remember how you dealt with that and like how what the emotions were going into you know your senior year and not being able to play and um knowing that you were supposed to go to college and play but it's just a big step and a big thing to kind of swallow yeah and um yeah I, I completely remember I remember that I was freaking out to have to like email or call my coach and let him know you know, the devastating news and what happened. I was afraid they were going to take my scholarship away. Um, But the one thing that my coach said was, Jen, that's why we usually give people five years of a scholarship in case we know that the likelihood of someone being injured within their college career um, is high. And Mm -hmm. and that's why we we build into five years with you here at our university. And um, so that gave me a lot of ease of like, okay, like they understand things happen. But also is the best advice I can give anybody in that in the same situation that I was in was not only do people um, or coaches want you because you're a great athlete, they want you because um, of your character, your personality. And, and if you prove to them that you are an overcomer and you'll do whatever it takes and you're putting all your hard work in there and, and you get along with people and, you know, you're going to make the team better just by your presence, not just your skill, like coaches are going to be okay with, Hey, you're injured. That's okay. But I know you're going to overcome it. And my coach was like, we're not only wanting you here, Jen, because of your skill um, and what you can bring to the game, but what you can bring to the team with your personality and um, your hard work. And, and that's important. So I try to tell my clients like, Hey man, like I was never the best on my team. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to always work my butt off to just be right where everyone else was, but because I was open-minded, I never gave up. I understood what that meant. You can't teach that in, the, in, in anybody. You can teach um, soccer skills. You can teach someone to learn the game, but you can't be a good person and you can't have a great character and you can't, like, if you're a leader, your coach is going to see that and take you anyways. Mm-hmm. And, and so I always try to tell them to develop their skill, but also their character. Um, how do you react when the ball gets taken away from you or how to react when you have a bad game coaches look at that kind of stuff and and if you can't be the best player you can be the best person on the team just by your character and um so my coach just thankfully just was like hey Jen like you just keep working hard and if you do that you'll continue to have your five-year scholarship yeah That's really good advice because I think a lot of the time with those conversations, even if you haven't committed yet and you're you're wanting to go play a sport in college, but you have these three schools maybe that are looking at you and you're you're nervous to call and tell them that you've gotten injured. I think the the communication is always it's always easier. Um, the, the lead up to it, right? The prep of like in your mind, the anxiety, oh, what are they going to say? What this and that. And the story you build in your mind is oftentimes <laughs> far worse than what actually happens. And um, by communicating that and like letting those coaches know and letting those people know and bringing them into your story. And, and like you just said, you know, telling them that you're ready to work hard and you're ready to overcome this. And um, this is who you are and you believe that you can get back. I think that that communication allows them to be a part of your story too. And, 
and know that you are going to get through it because you're you're almost making them believe what you already know. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And I also like being able to um, vocalize that to your coaches and build that relationship so early mm-hmm. is so important. And also that's giving you hope as well that like, hey, yeah, I just told them I can do this. Now I just made this commitment. Like I really got to get going, you know? And, yeah. and I think it's so important to vocalize your to vocalize your goals and, and what you're going to do because then you got to do them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Right. Um, did you find that, did you find any points in that recovery? Do you remember that recovery as much as the other one or, um, were there moments in that, that you felt defeated and didn't know if you could continue? Oh yeah. I tell everyone who tears their ACL that you're going to have great moments and you're going to have bad moments and it's okay to kind of feel sorry for yourself just for a little bit on the bad moments. You have a bad day, but, um, ACL recovery is a long process, and the most important thing is to, even if, and I know, I don't know if everyone thinks this, but I even think, like, lying to myself sometimes during that process of, like, I'm great, things are fine, mm-hmm. and and I know that you're going to have ups and downs. Sometimes lying to yourself and just trying to stay positive is so important through those ups and downs, because if you let it get to you in any way, um, I mean, it is devastating. I mean, it's hard to get out of those ruts sometimes. Yeah. And that's why, too, during those down times when I were feeling overcome, like just defeated, I would tell somebody, hey, I'm feeling really defeated right now, and this is my goal. Can you just remind me of, like, what I've already overcome in the last month or the last two months of recovery? And I would just vocalize that to people so they could always be reminding me that, like, I'm doing a good job. Because if you don't tell people you're struggling, um, how are they supposed to know to, to help you? Um, and, and I think that's really important and that's what I did. And, but I remember some really dark days of crying and, um, just thinking that, um, I know I'm going to get back, but just the process is difficult, you know, and Mm -hmm. sometimes you're just exhausted and just, you just don't, you just don't want to have to work this hard for something. But then you got to realize you went, I go back and look at my notebook. Like, this is my goal. This is my life. This is what I wanted. Um, so I either got to do it now or, you know, yeah, quit. And yeah. quitting was just not in my vocabulary. And um, so I definitely think lying to myself during that process sometimes was the only way for me to keep going, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's the best answer for everybody, but it's definitely what works for me. Well, I think you kind of hit it in both both ways is that you have to um, acknowledge the way that you're feeling and, and give yourself time to mourn, to grieve, to be upset in moments where you should be upset because that is just human nature, right? Um, if something goes bad, mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to be upset about it. But I think then when you create a timeline and say, okay, I'm giving myself the rest of the night and tomorrow morning I'm waking up and I'm going to have a new day. I think that part is also true is what you're saying, lying to yourself. It's like that, that fake it till you make it kind of attitude where like you have control of, um, your, your response to things, right? So you initially, something goes wrong and you react in the way that it's normal to react, right? Like I'm, I'm upset, but then Mm -hmm. you're responding and you're choosing, okay, I'm giving myself two hours and now I'm going to respond by saying no more, Jordan, let's keep going. Yeah. It's crazy because right now, um, Sam and I are 
fostering a 16-year-old girl. And the only reason we got into this process was she was a soccer client. Um, her environment at home was just just a little bit on the negative side where she as a 16-year-old wasn't developing in the way that needs she just didn't have time to really work on herself. And mm-hmm. the only thing she had going for her was soccer. And she recently just blew out her entire knee. And so things went downhill super fast. And my husband and I reached out to her and was like, hey, I've been through this. He's been through this. I don't know if we can teach you anything, but move in with us and, and see see what happens. Yeah. And we taught her. That's the most important thing that we have taught her is like, it doesn't matter what's happening in your family. Um, with your mom, with your dad, it doesn't happen um, with that, you know, you think that your life is over because of soccer, you are in complete control of how you feel and what you want in life. Mm-hmm. You do not have the excuse to blame your parents that your life is bad or blame soccer because it ruins, you know, what you wanted or what your goal was. You are in complete control. So if you want to get back in soccer, then you're going to make those steps and those goals to get back. But if you truly, truly deep inside don't know, what you want then you're going to be stuck for a really long time and she cried and cried and and I told her I'm like it's a really hard process but Mm -hmm. you just need to think give yourself a week think about your goals what do you really want and if it's not soccer that's fine but let's get you back on track with something positive and something else and um, she's now been with us six months we moved her with us to San Diego and she has just been crushing her goals and one of her goals is still soccer, but she has developed so much more um, that she never knew was possible that her goals might be kind of changing into, I really love CrossFit. I really love that community more than, you know, the soccer community. And she's like, I'm still going to go for this goal, but I'm okay if that doesn't happen. I'm going to do whatever it takes. But she's just learned so much more about herself because she knows now, like, she doesn't have to have other people decide how she's supposed to feel. Yeah. She's totally in control of that. And it's so important for to know that during an ACL recovery. And um, But you just need someone to kind of just remind you of that every day. That's why I think that this, especially injuries, um, and the ACL is something that I think is, speaks to us, right, because we've been through it. And it is such a grueling and it's a long process as opposed to, you know, a broken leg or anything like that. But I think injuries in general are, are awesome examples of, you know, life isn't going to be fair. And it's not going to be the way that you think it's going to be, but you do have the ability to control your attitude. And that lesson that you learn with injuries is so applicable, like you just said, um, in your own life and teaching other people how to get through challenges as well. So that's why, I mean, that is so cool that you guys are doing that and providing her uh, an environment where she can help herself flourish. Yeah, I tell people all the time, like, hey, you're not going to want to hear this right now because you just tore your ACL or you just got injured. But injuries are such a blessing. Mm-hmm. And one day everyone will realize that no yeah. matter what it is. But yeah. injuries are definitely a blessing. And, and you learn a lot about your character and who you want to be during them. Yeah. So I feel like the most important thing, like everyone knows to work hard at rehab and to have a positive attitude. But the most important thing I can tell people is, work on your character during that time and, um, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So when you say that, what, it, how, how would you tell people to do that? Like, um, what are some of the, the 
tricks or tips or things that you did implemented in your rehab or, or can now look back and say, Hey, I wish I would have done that. I think it would have been beneficial to me to build character or, um, enhance my true character during that process. Um, that's a really hard question. Um, I think because what I did during those two times would probably be something different than what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, if I did it, you know, if I re tore my ACL now or something, um, I was just like, go, 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 fake it till you make it work really hard, do whatever it takes. And now I think if I was going through the injury, I would have that attitude, but I would definitely write goals down. What do I want out of this process? What, um, and I always had an end goal of like, I have to get back to this team. I have to be a hundred percent. And I feel like you need like more goals towards like every two months of an ACL process. Um, award yourself for just awarding yourself for the progress that you're making there and now, you know, like in the moment, not worrying about six months, I'm getting back, you know, you can have that ultimate goal, but what are you going to do during this month right now? you know, to be better? And is that being more positive every single day? Is that being more open to um, your coach or your teammates about your progress, your struggles? Um, I would say just goal setting and having small little Mm -hmm. um, progressions is definitely going to make that process faster because you're going to see the progress. You're Mm -hmm. not going to just see it as a whole, like, oh my gosh, I have four months. I'm not even close to being ready four months is so short, you know, and I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's just weird. It just depends on where you are mentally within your injury and within within the process. But definitely just work on one month or maybe even like one week at a time and celebrate those, those small goals. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't look at the end thing. Cause if you, if you reach those small goals within this process, you're going to be ready by six months. You're going to be ready. um, You know, by the timeline that you give yourself um i would it's hard to say how would you develop your character because it just depends on the situation and where you are at in your life yeah maybe it's find out who you are find out find out who you are like who really are you besides jen novis who is a soccer player like what do you want other people to see you as if you don't come back from this injury um and that was something that i think that i would change now is developing my character and and when people see me what do they see I don't want to be known as Jen Nobis anymore because um when soccer is over because eventually one day even if it's your 20 or 60 Mm -hmm. it's gonna be over right but like Jordan you are now like everyone knows you like how great you were in soccer but they're also seeing your character and your smile and and how great you are with your words and connecting with people with broadcasting in this club and and, and that's super cool because I never got to see that part of you during soccer season because we're so consumed of yeah. of soccer and do people think I'm good or not? You know, yeah. and I used to I used to hate um, after soccer games with the breakers that people would come up to me and be like, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I always tell my you know kids after games that I would love them to be like you because you're happy you are a hard worker you're the one that grinds every single day um and it's just not given to you and I was always like well I took that as a fence like I'm just as good as a lot of these national team players Mm -hmm. I'm just not getting my break when I should have looked at it like 
yeah, I can teach people. I can teach these young kids to just because if you're not the best on the team, you can still be a part of a great experience and still be one of the best, but just in a different way. Yeah. And yeah, I kind of switched subjects there, but. No, I like what you're saying though yeah, there I, because it is I think character maybe is what you're what you're saying is like is taking a different perspective on what you're doing, you know? Like I think for so much of our an injury recovery you're so zoomed in to like I have to get my leg better, my leg, my leg, my leg. But if you zoom out <laughs> a little bit, it's not just your leg, it's like how does your foot connect to your knee, connect to your hip, connect to your running pattern? And then if you zoom out even more, it's like, "Oh, I'm I'm not just a soccer player, I'm an athlete." And if you zoom out more you're like well how my how is my brain connected to all this and then more you're like how is that how am I as a person like am I am I showing other people that um they too can overcome and you zoom out farther than this and then we tap into that other thing that you were talking about is you know well is it that bad in the grand scheme of things is this that bad so it's that perspective of um you know character is built on pushing through obstacles in a way that gives other people the the knowledge and, and strength to know that they can also do the same thing. Yeah. Man, you're so great with your words. That's the one thing that I wish I would have developed younger is um knowing how to speak properly. <laughs> oh, you're fine. What are you talking about? Um, I think I think you're just being oh hard on gosh. yourself. I think oh my you're gosh. Just I'm so hard on myself when it comes to like speaking. And it's funny when I do speak like when I go and I do a speech in front of like women or whatever the first thing I do is make fun of myself, how I make up words. And sometimes I ramble. Um, and when I let people know that is something that I'm fearful of, mm-hmm. and then, you know, and then it, it all kind of plays into, yeah. oh, Jen's already told us she just made up a word, but I get what she's trying to say. So that's cool. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you shouldn't, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if you even need to acknowledge that because I think that you have, I think you're a lot better than you think you are. And I think also that's just you. And it's really, you have to acknowledge that your personality, like you, what I hear when you're talking and you might see it as rambling, I just see it as passion. I hear it as passion and just yeah. But do you you ever feel like though, like when someone I talk to you about their ACL or the recovery or anything that you just want to vomit all of this knowledge that you know on somebody and just hope to god they like listen but you know they're probably not going to know any of what you're saying and so maybe two years later when they look back on their recovery and be like oh crap i remember them saying that i should have done that um or like my my i guess this is a pet peeve too is when someone's like oh i can't do that like i you know i have some knee problems i tore my acl and i'm like what i've torn both of mine yeah like how bad do you want to still be an athlete or, or be able to go outside and play? And um, I obviously there's some circumstances that limit you to some things, right. but gosh, I just want to, I just want to like shake people and, and be like, if you want something, you can totally do it. Even if you have a knee injury or not. And yeah. I think that's the biggest thing with ACLs is developing character through it because it's not about, Oh, I can't do that anymore because of this. And so Sometimes I feel like I just vomit so much stuff on people when I hear that they're going through ACL recovery. And um, sometimes I think, like, how does Jordan just, like, organize her thoughts and steps to talk to people? Because there's just so much to, like, tell somebody about ACLs and recovery. (laughs) There there really is. I I don't know. And how it's okay and things are going to be great. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know how I do it, but I just, I think I learn a lot from the people I talk to, like, like you and some of the things that you said help me kind of narrow in some of the things that I believe as well and, or new things that I don't even know of. Um, and one of the things I think is really cool is the, the mental side of things. Like when you were going through and it can be either ACL. So essentially what happened in your journey is you recovered from the first ACL. Um, when you graduated college, there was no league to play in here. There was yeah, a semi-professional no league. league, but no league. And then you went on and decided to play in England and Sweden, correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. How, how, yep. what a cool experience. Um, what kind of led you to that? And how did you push yourself to, um, I mean, that's a big step. Yeah. I think mainly it was, I was so confused about who I was as a person that I didn't really know like what my next step was. And I, and I believe a lot of college um, students don't really know what to do after college. Like they're kind of like, huh, like, what do I want to do now? And, and so I knew my one thing that I was really good at was soccer. And so, you know, I just kind of, I got asked by, um, so I don't know, my coach had a connection with somebody and they asked me if I wanted to go to London and play. And, you know, I had no real set plans of what I really wanted to do in life. And so I just, took the chance of moving away and for a year and and playing in London, which was funny because it wasn't the best experience. Um, it yeah. was, you know, like you don't really get paid to play. Um, so financially, I was just very blessed that I had parents that were willing to help me because um, being an American and in the league, it was really hard to be paid if I wasn't on the national team. Mm-hmm. So because I wasn't on the USA national team, I didn't really have be in to be able to be paid to play because um, at the time, Charlton and Arsenal and Everton, all these girls, people were paying to watch them play. And because I was on the national team, like I wasn't allowed to be paid. So I basically was there just practicing um, because we had so many issues with me playing on the field, um, not having that background of USA national team, which was so frustrating because I wanted to be like, I played in the midst of like so many national team players my entire life. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I wasn't getting recognized. I couldn't play because of that one thing. Right. And so I, I was there for a year. Um, and basically I got a lot of experience and with a great, great coach um, who coached a lot of the English national team players. So I played with Aniola Luca. Um, I played with, Casey Stoney. Uh-huh. I don't know if Casey's still there. She had twins. Um, her her wife had twins. But I played with some amazing people and got some really good connections and learned a lot from Aniola, who was just an amazing forward. And I got to play alongside her every single day and push myself. And so the experience in general for soccer aspect was amazing. But off the field and getting paid and just trying to figure out if this was for me was the worst experience of my life. Um and so I left the league after the first year um, because I wasn't getting paid. And obviously mm-hmm. I couldn't just stay over there financially and play soccer for my entire career and not right. have a job. Right. So um, I got, I got to, I got another offer to go to Sweden. So I played in division one Sweden, which wasn't even the top league. I played for one like semester or season and I got to be paid there because of the rules in Sweden were different than London. Mm-hmm. Um, which was really cool because because of that experience that I went to get, you know, to play in Sweden, I really built my name up just in that one season. Um, And I got, you know, 
six different offers from teams of, hey, do you want to come to the top league and play for us? And and so that just really opened up the doors for me. And um, then I started playing in the top league in Sweden. And and um, I think my biggest accomplishment that I will always remember was um, being um, nominated um, for the best in the North. And then the person who was best in the South was Marta. So it was really cool to kind of be kind of compared to her in a way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right? So it's like I do have a lot of accomplishments, but like my one main accomplishment for my entire life was to be on the national team. And obviously, you know, that didn't really happen because I got noticed so late in the game. Um, But it was really cool to just have so many experiences in Sweden Mm -hmm. um, playing with all national team players of Sweden and Brazil was over there, I think a little bit. And, you know, with Marta and um, it was just really cool to, to know that like, I'm still playing at the highest level alongside these girls. Um, All because like I took a chance to go to Sweden to play in a lower league that I didn't really want to do, but I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. So I just kind of took the chance to do it. Yeah. And it's really cool. So sometimes I tell people, like, it's okay to have to go down a division to prove who you are and, and how good you are and to build relationships and connections. And because one day, like, someone's going to see you, and and that's exactly what happened. So yeah. my Swedish career was just definitely the highlight of my um, – was just the highlight because um, I really had to work for it. You know, I really had to – build myself up within the league to to be noticed and yeah. I felt like my hard work was um recognized finally getting noticed yeah um, yeah recognized for sure and it was so much so that when WPS started you got drafted by the Boston Breakers and uh, played your first season with the Breakers in the first year of the league and had mm-hmm. a had a really good season you you scored a, a good amount of goals like seven or eight right yeah, I feel like you you had a good yeah, amount of like goals. Seven or eight. Yeah, and um kind of did a good job of coming in and continuing that same streak that you had and um it, you know, excited to be on to the on the team the next year and then find out that we wouldn't wouldn't be playing together because you had torn your ACL in the off season on on the other knee and how was that how was um knowing that you had to go through something that same thing one more time what was that on a mental scale yeah I think my second one was definitely the hardest because um after having um you know Boston Breakers my first year I didn't start I think the first four or five games um I always substitute in for Amy Rodriguez and then again just being consistent and um, hardworking and just knowing that maybe my time will come eventually. Um, I got to start, I think, the last six games or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I really kind of got to have a relationship with Tony DeChico in that manner. And um, I remember him just telling me at the end of the season, like, hey, you know, you really proved yourself. And, and I'm really excited that I think next year is going to be a really good season for you. And um, it might be like a breakout season. And um and, you know, he kind of hinted to, if you continue to do really well this season, uh, I will give Pia some really good, um, you know, feedback about you. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like, oh, okay, maybe this is my chance. I'm older than most, but maybe it would be my one chance to get on the national team. And um, so I I don't know if I really hired. I didn't really pay the guy. <laughs> but um, I had a coach that actually was one of the coaches for New Jersey at the time. 
um, I moved to New Jersey and lived with this gentleman, which I'm so surprised my parents, like looking back, I don't know why my parents ever said yes. It's so weird and kind of creepy to think about, but I moved in with this coach and um, I lived with him for about three months in the off season. And I literally trained every single day. Um, I worked at some soccer academy just to have a side time, you know, side job uh-huh. um, to be able to live there. But um, I worked two times a day on juggling and ball work and ball work and fitness. And um, I never tried so hard in my life um, to want something more than I ever wanted. And I got back to Boston um, and I remember staying in contact with Tony DeChico and just giving them feedback of what I'm doing and how, you know, this off season has been so amazing. And um, one week before season preseason started, um, that's when I tore my ACL. Mm. And knowing that I worked so hard for one thing in my life to come back and just, again, like just show how hard I really wanted it and prove that I increased my ball skills and, and everything that I needed to work on. And I remember we were playing indoor with Christine Lilly and I just stepped wrong and I went down and I didn't cry. I didn't, I just got up and I said, I tore my ACL and she's like, well, let's just go make sure. And I go, Lily, like I'm a hundred percent. I tore it. And she's like, well, it's not swollen. And I'm like, my last one wasn't swollen either. And I wasn't in pain really in my last one as well. I was like, I really just know. And it was just a moment of, um, of just pure disappointment because I didn't cry. I didn't, I didn't have the emotions that I had the first time around. I literally was just like, okay, I just don't think that this is supposed to be my life. And yeah. I was secretly okay with that. Like, all right, I'm going to work myself back because right now it's the only thing I know. Like I only knew Jen Novus as a soccer player mm-hmm. and I worked myself back and became so much better than I ever was during that year and the year before because I learned not to overtrain, not to focus on just soccer. And and that was my moment of um, I did break down obviously eventually because I put so much into soccer, soccer, soccer that I was missing the point. I needed to work on who is Jen Dancer besides soccer? Mm-hmm. Um, who is she? What does she want to do? But that was more devastating than carrying my ACL because I didn't know who I was. Mm. Um, but I did. I, I came back and, and it was, I had two more seasons after my ACL and um, I, I was better as I was better as that player when I was 29 years old than I ever was in my entire career of soccer. Um, and so I think mentally that was my, my favorite year because I found out who Jen Dan, or who Jen Novus was and I recovered from ACL again. Yeah. Um, but it definitely was a harder process because I was older and you start to doubt yourself at that age of like, is this worth it? Um, you know, like your goal is national team and not just a hundred percent solidified that it was taken away. Like, do you even want to do this anymore? So it was really tough for um, the second time around because I was older and you knew your career was slowly coming to an end. Eventually mm-hmm. you were going to have to move on. Yeah. Um, but I learned so much um, in that year that I I praise God now that, you know, it happened. So yeah. 
Do you remember anything, um, a quote or a book you read or something that stands out to you that reminds you of that time that you kind of latched onto and helped you mentally to know that you could get through it? No, not at all. I don't, I don't, I think I kind of just like stopped with the, you know, like the good quotes that kept you going every day. Mm -hmm. And the, the only thing that kept me going was, um, Tony DeChico, um, called me after I tore my CL and he said that, um, he wasn't going to release me from the breakers and that he would like me to still stick around. And, um, he would still like me to be a part of the team. And that just really gave me the hope that I needed to try one more time. Um, and then towards the end of that process, when I was coming back and practicing with the breakers, um, he pulled me inside and said that, um, next year that he probably wasn't going to coach. And if I wanted to get out of the, you know, to get out of it, that, um, he would release me to Sweden. And if I wanted to make some phone calls and go back to the top league in Sweden, that, um, he would release me that year to go do so. And, um, I think just, I just think having, um, I don't know why he took a chance on me. It was so, it's so weird. Um, I still ask myself that today, but, um, yeah, he just said that he still wanted me on the team and, um, that just gave me that small hope of, okay, well I can do this. So because Tony was, I wasn't really of a reader. (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't he? He was like, he was so, he was one of my favorite coaches, but by far the hardest coach I've ever had yeah. Um, because he played a lot of mind games and he really mentally um, challenged me every day um, that my best wasn't my best and Mm -hmm. that I had to want more and to push it. And um, so it was a definitely love-hate relationship every single day on that field. But um, he definitely just got out so much talent in every single person and if you didn't listen to him, then, you know, you're crazy. You were just totally missing out. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. I miss so that man. <laughs> I miss that man a lot. Um, so you, I mean, it's cool and you don't have to, like, I think that's one of the things that's hard about talking to people about injury recovery is that, you know, there's no special formula. I can't say do this, watch this, um, movie, read this book. This is a quote that'll help you through and this you'll be better. Like you can't because we're all individual and we're all, um, going to have our own journeys. But I think the coolest part about it is there's going to be moments within everything that we can hear somebody else say, I, I didn't know if I could do it. I doubted that I was making the right decision or I took a chance and it didn't, I didn't know if it would work out. But, you know, it ended up being a time in my career that was really beneficial to me. I think those things, um, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to, you know, look at a quote or, you know, have a Bible verse that helps you going. But at the same time, I think what you talked about in that second one is you found out who you were. And I think when you, when you break this process down that's what it does it makes you figure out who you are and if you allow that to happen and it's going to be uncomfortable and you're going to have to get vulnerable and you're going to have to have conversations that maybe aren't what you want to do but um that communication the honesty and just opening yourself up allows you to heal fully and you know, for you, it allowed you to not only get back to soccer, but then to walk away at the the top of your career and find something else that you really loved. Not only, um, you know, you met your husband after that, but you also fell in love with a different form of competition. And you are like 
the coolest yeah. crossfitter now um was it an, was it an automatic Man, what yeah well I'm just hating myself now that I'm in this like like I'm so competitive that now I'm like in another sport um <laughs> no <laughs> because it's like cool. you emotionally put so much into like I put so much effort into soccer and now I'm like gosh dang it I'm doing it all over again like how do I keep getting myself in these situations and um <laughs> that's so funny CrossFit's amazing yeah and it's completely different than soccer with community like with community and um how everyone's just there to support each other and um but CrossFit is definitely like I knew soccer was for me and I loved every single moment but CrossFit is love hate every day there's days <laughs> where like I'm never working out again and then there's days where I'm like man like I'm so glad I have abs now because I never had abs in soccer and no all this stuff and um man it's CrossFit is a blessing and not a blessing yeah. um like yeah but you, I absolutely love go ahead oh I was just I was just gonna say do you feel like going through um significant injury recoveries and the rehab and the mental how, how you have to push yourself mentally through those you know anything from like just getting your knee around on a bike to like the workouts that you do on your own when you're five months post-op and you're almost back to playing, but you're still by yourself. Like, do you feel like those moments that pushed you helped you become a better CrossFit athlete? Oh my gosh. It's like made me become a better person in life in general. (laughs) Uh, Like even, even in work or just dealing with friendships, you know that like if you can get through like ACL recovery and talk yourself with so many positive, you know, like faking it. So you make it kind of thing. Like you can totally fake life and make it and fake CrossFit and make it. And um, I think going through soccer and going through those injuries and, and all the emotions that went with professional soccer um, has made CrossFit like the easiest thing ever. Obviously there's girls that beat me every day and I'm still, you know, getting my butt whomped by people. But um, <laughs> mentally, I think that's why I did so well when I jumped into CrossFit and I qualified for regionals like only two months in. It's because I had the cardio and I had the mentality of a freak. And <laughs> I think um, that's the only reason why I'm still surviving in this CrossFit world of competition and at this high level is my mentality um it's slowly wearing down to maybe my mentality of competing in CrossFit Mm -hmm. is slowing down but my mentality of competing in life and with people and with um my job and all this stuff will never will never end and I can't think like going through those moments of ACL recovery enough that I know that I feel like I can overcome anything because like ACL is like six months worth of stuff right um a bad day at work is like maybe a week and um you 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 know you can survive a week if you survive six months and so um oh yeah going through soccer and, and I even say like still on my resume I still am like the number one thing that I love putting down is professional soccer not because like you get to brag a little bit but because because you get to brag how awesome mentally tough and amazing you are right (laughs) because it's um like uh, yeah like it takes a certain person to become a professional athlete mentally and um I even still put down like I tore my ACL I've been through injury I've been through adversity I put that down because people want to know that you can ever overcome hard things yeah and 
I put that down on my resume and people probably think I'm crazy, but I'm doing just great now in my job. So. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I think it's, I think people want to know that people will stick through hard things. So I think you're right in putting that, Yeah. putting that down there. So um, recently you and your husband and um, you kind of mentioned your foster daughter, you all, you're kind of, are you kind of nomad lifing or what, what are you doing right now that you, you left your hometown um, and you guys are living in San Diego now? Did you just need a switch yeah. up? So my husband, yeah, my husband, um, he is a very, if you think that I'm kind of a weird person, um, you haven't met weird until you met Sam Dancer. <laughs> um, he could live out of a suitcase or like just one backpack or a car for the rest of his life and go to different gyms and different places and just shower there and just travel forever and just meet people. And um, I need some organization in my life and I need a plan and um, so we have been nomads for probably the last month. We were living like in an air. So we decided a month before, probably like the beginning of December, um, we decided to leave January 1st. Um, so we had one month to get our business because we own a CrossFit gym back in Illinois. Uh-huh. Um, so we had one month to get our business prepared um, to be ran by our coaches that have been with us, been with us for four years um, to transfer all of that over to them and to move our foster daughter with us so that includes like getting her back enrolled in high school here um, finding a place to live all that kind of stuff and we were gone for two weeks in December in Belgium doing some seminars so we really mm-hmm. only had like two weeks to prepare this move right which is super crazy um, <laughs> oh we had to rent our house out we had all these things but we are we were a nomad for three weeks while we were here trying to find a place, living in Airbnbs, um, switching different Airbnbs because you know there's only so much time. We thought right. we only needed a week, and then it needed longer, and it has been crazy. Um, and I definitely learned a lot about myself and living with roommates and being a nomad. And I def- it's not for me, um, but it <laughs> taught me to loosen up a little bit and enjoy the moment and life and the ocean and the sun and the opportunities that, you know, um, during this process of finding a house, we've met so many cool people, mm-hmm. um, like realtors that follow my husband on Facebook or Instagram. And um, they have a Down syndrome child that, you know, my husband and I, we work with a lot of Down syndrome athletes. And uh-huh. um, we found so many connections with realtors who have Down syndrome athletes um, or children that follow my husband. Or we found this awesome house in Coronado um, because the owner knows my husband and follows them on Instagram. So um, it's been a really fun a fun time. At the yeah. time, you, if you told me, Jen, are you having fun? I would say no way. And I would really <laughs> stressed out and I would probably cry. <laughs> I'd probably break down in tears if you asked me then, but looking back now that we have a house and, you know, we're settled, um, it was really fun to meet those people and, and just see some of the lives that we've been touching through Special Olympics and our Down syndrome athletes and, and knowing that it's a small world. Yeah. Yeah. But we are, we're, we're here in San Diego now. Cool. We are launching a new accessory and mobility program. Cool. Um, Hopefully that will be, you know, ready in a couple of weeks. And we're here training for the CrossFit Games with Invictus and, Awesome. Um, yeah. We're, that's awesome. We are going to just be here six months and then move again. <laughs> cool. Well, that sounds like a fun life. Um, kind of before yeah. I, I wrap things up here, I just want to um, 
acknowledge you for just continuing to stay true to yourself and having the willingness and, you know, ability to tap into what, you know, who you are and then go with that. Not only that, but to overcome and to help other people overcome. Um, You know, I do see the work that you're doing with all different kinds of athletes and how you change lives just by uh, being you and supporting any kind of athlete, you know, whether it's people that you work with with in CrossFit, whether it's me that we used to be friends, or um, I think your friend is, is it James that has Down syndrome that you guys worked with at home? Yep, James. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's just beautiful to see that. And I also want to tell you, because I'm I'm fed up with this as us female athletes, that um, we need to stop putting ourselves down because we didn't make the national team. We are strong and powerful and we are professional soccer players and um, the national team has nothing to do with what we accomplish. So I want you to know that you were a amazing athlete and you still are, and you were a wonderful soccer, soccer player. And um, I don't want you to, to think that for one second, because you weren't on the national team, you weren't worthy of saying that you were one of the best soccer players because you were. So um, just wanted to make sure let's break that right let's break that chain of it's us it's us telling ourselves that we're not good enough and we are and um you know NBA players don't say that about themselves because they're not on the national team you know it's just yeah right (laughs) right? so we're gonna we're gonna (laughs) stop I didn't really think about it that way right um before I go to the last question thank you yeah you're welcome Jen um before I go to the last question, where can people connect with you and kind of follow you and maybe even um, what you're doing eventually? I don't know if you can share what, what, with what you're doing next, but maybe just where they can follow you on social media. Yeah, um, so social media-wise, um, Instagram, my name is Jen Dancing, J-E-N-N-D-A-N-C-I-N-G. Um, and my husband is Sam Dancing. And... Um, those are the only social media networks we kind of go through. Um, but I would love if anyone's like listening to this though, to, to contact me on my Instagram and send me direct messages. Um, I, my goal and my future um, is just to, to show Christ and to love people and to just know that I'm here to inspire you and to give you encouragement. And um, because we're all going to go through ups and downs and if it's ACL or if it's injuries or, you know, just life in general, um, I just want people to know that my husband and and I, our goal in life is truly, truly to serve others. Mm -hmm. And so if you ever need to message us, we are always here. And sometimes it might take us a little bit to respond because of some of the responses we get. But um, yeah, we would love to hear your stories about life and what we can do to help you and, and, and to be like, just to to feel comfortable every day to be who you are even if it's weird because honestly I don't think my husband and I we're not weird like we're we're the normal ones I feel like sometimes and and I think that's okay to to be different and and to be okay with that and to be confident and and yeah what you who you want to be um if you're not happy with who you are and what you want to be there's no way that you can impact or or help anybody else in your life. Um, mm-hmm. The most important thing is to make yourself happy and then and then move forward from there. So um, I don't really have any future plans of like where or what Sam and I, you know, have in store for us because, you know, we are all over the place every day and life changes and we travel and 
we kind of just go where people need us or where Christ wants us to go. And, um, but one thing that's always constant is definitely our Instagram and you can always reach out there and um, hopefully, yeah, if anybody that has listened or is going to listen, um, I would love to be your friend and just contact us. So I love it. And she's genuine about yeah. that people. She will. I know, I know she will. Um, the last thing is the podcast is called show your scars. And I just want to know what show your scars means to you. Um, it's just show showing my scars allows me just to, um, show people adversity, like what I've overcome in my life to be, um, happy and who I am and, and why I am the way I am today. Um, so yeah, be proud of your scars, be proud of, of what you've overcome and, and what doors, you know, your scars kind of opened up for you. I love it, Jen. Thank you so much for being open and sharing a lot of your story with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation I had with Jen Dancer. I will link all her social media in the show notes so you can follow her along as she and her team in Southern California prepare for the CrossFit Games this summer. Um, It'll be cool to follow her along. And like I said, her and her husband are really funny. They're fun to watch and um, just to see what they can do as athletes and to just see them as people too is really great. So I hope you guys got some takeaways from that. I think Jen's had a lot of wonderful things that can help you through your injury recovery. Um, That taking time away is important um, to set goals, to stay focused, but also realize that there's life to live and you're so much more beyond just uh, an athlete. So enjoy the rest of your day. I thank you so much for giving me a little bit of your time today, a little over an hour actually. So um, thanks for listening. And I just hope that you guys all go out there today and show your scars with pride. <laughs>